Hey there, and welcome to the Real Life Podcast, a production of Real Life Online. We exist to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time, and you can help us do that by liking, sharing, and subscribing to this podcast. We hope that this time encourages you and points you closer to Jesus. Be sure to check out the description for ways to stay in touch. Holy is set apart. God is holy. We as followers of Jesus are called to be holy. That means we do life Jesus' way, not the world's way. One of the most convoluted and confusing places of life for us to get mixed up between Jesus' way and the world's way is in relationship. We have all learned relationship. Some of it is very awesome. Some of it is very broken. Either way, we have been exposed to relationship over and over again. We have created a theology and pattern to the way we do relationship. Is it Jesus' way of relationship? Some of us really don't know. Through living Jesus' way, to be holy, you will reclaim your relationships, your marriage, your sexuality, and how you navigate conflict. Hey there, Uh, so good to be with you today. I'm excited. My name is Michael, if we haven't met. We are continuing in this journey, this series called Holy. Uh, Holy is set apart. Now God is holy and you and I, if we are followers of Jesus, we're called to be holy like God is holy. This means we do life Jesus's way, not the world's way. And there is this uh, difference in the way that we should live. We should look different than the world. So there's this idea of there's God's kingdom and the kingdom of man. And there's this pull on us as individuals. Uh, Are we gonna model our lives, how we live, talk, speak, act, all of those things uh, towards God's way or the world's way? And one of the biggest areas of pulls that we have is in how we do relationship. There's God's way for relationship and then there's the world's way. And Jesus made it very clear that uh, you and I were called and created uh, for relationship with God and with each other. And he said this in in Matthew uh, 22, when he was asked, hey, Jesus, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? We We wanna follow it. What is the greatest commandment? He says this, he says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally as important you are to love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Now, when Jesus was speaking, he was saying, we are called to love God and love people with everything we got. This is how we do relationship God's way. And this is for all of us who have said yes to Jesus. God, I wanna follow you. This is our call. This is our way to be in relationship, to love God with everything we got and to love people the same. And so again, this is for all of us, not just pastors, not just those super people who volunteer at church all the time or are really good. No, this is for all of us. And it's a growth. We grow into it. Uh, And so that is what we're talking about is relationships. Now, for some of us, 
we get to enter into a, a more intimate relationship with another person, which is called marriage. And that's what we're talking about today, holy marriage. And before uh, some of you tune out, maybe there's, uh, you're single and you're watching. Uh, I just wanna encourage you, if you're single and you're praying and hoping that someday God will allow you to be married, lean in. I pray that God would speak to you today and give you his design, his ways, and some practical things to help you enter into marriage God's way. And if you are divorced, I just want to encourage you, there is grace. There is tons of grace. I would say to you, from this day forward, be in relationship God's way, whether that's being single God's way, or if you're planning, hoping, and praying to get remarried again, do it God's way this time. And then if you're single and you're like, I don't feel like God has marriage for me, awesome. I would encourage you, you probably know some married people. Maybe you can encourage them to live God's way. So there, I think God's gonna speak to each and every one of us wherever we're at in this conversation. And so let's talk about marriage. Again, there's God's way and the world's way. So what I, I thought I'd do is go, let's just get the definition out of the way, make it super easy for us. So I went to Webster's Dictionary and said, this will be real easy. I'll get to understand what does the world say that marriage is? And I look and what do I see? I see a definition. Nope, I don't see a definition. When I go to Webster's online and type in marriage, the first thing I see is a disclaimer. Here's what the disclaimer reads. It says, the definition of the word marriage or more accurately, the understanding of what the institution of marriage properly consists of continues to be highly controversial. This is not an issue to be resolved by dictionaries. Okay, so when someone says, hey, what does that mean? Go look it up in the dictionary. The dictionary is going, we are not supposed to talk about marriage. We, 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 this is not an issue for, for the dictionaries to, to figure out. Ultimately, they say, this controversy involves cultural traditions, religious beliefs, legal rulings, and, and ideas about fairness, dot, dot, dot. Super helpful, right? Hey, I want to learn what marriage is. Go to the dictionary, kids. Disclaimer, we are not really going to talk about what it is or isn't because it's really controversial. So what do we do? Well, for me, it's it's kind of encouraging because marriage wasn't man's idea. And so I get why they are having a hard time defining it and even going, hey, this is what it means because it's not, it's, it's God's idea. Marriage is defined, designed and created by God. And we want our marriages to be holy that are full of purpose and fulfillment. But we have a choice. Again, we can choose to do marriage God's way or the world's way. And the world views marriage as this place of comfort and mutual uh, benefit that while it was working together is great. But whenever you feel discomfort or this relationship no longer benefits you, it's like, thank you, next. And you just move on to the next relationship, the next marriage. But marriage uh, defined and designed by God is the uniting of two hearts and lives, and it's not to be entered into lightly, but with intentionality and purpose. Marriage is, is really less about personal happiness and more about glorifying God through your relationship. Marriage is about two people becoming one 
And we see this in this first marriage between Adam and Eve. And it's in the very first couple of pages of your Bible. In Genesis 2, uh, 24, it reads this. It says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Marriage is about two people, one man and one woman coming together as one in uh, one for life. And that's what marriage is. And, and so when we look at this coming together as one, sometimes we think of it like this. It's half plus half equals one. And I want to submit to you, that's not true. What it is, is it's one plus one plus one equals a holy marriage, one. And you're going, Michael, what kind of crazy common core math are you doing here? And I said, well, listen, it's this. It's 100% of you plus 100% of your spouse plus Jesus at the center of your marriage equals one holy marriage. Marriage is two people becoming one. We're gonna jump into uh, a passage in one of the, my favorite books of the Bible. Ephesians is one of my favorites. I would encourage you to read it. It talks so much about who God is, what he's done, and then there's some practical instructions. And we're gonna jump into a part that talks about uh, husbands and wives. And before we go there, I know that some of us who've maybe been around church are going, uh-oh, are you gonna talk about what I think you're gonna talk about? Yes, I am, but I, I want to encourage you. Ask God, what, God, what are you speaking to me t- today through your word? Because I believe this passage is one of the most either abused or just ignored pieces of scripture in the Bible when it talks about relationship and marriage. So please bear with me. Uh, ask God to speak to you during this time. This is what Paul says, starting in verse 21 in Ephesians 5, 21. He says this, he says, submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. Okay, so we're talking about submission, Michael. Yeah, we're talking about submission, mutual submission, coming together, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, for God, for Jesus. We're gonna submit, honor, uh, elevate one another above ourselves for God's sake. And then he continues and says, now for wives, This means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is uh, the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to your husbands in everything. I just want to pause for a second. This does not mean women submit to men. All women submit to all men. That's not what this means. This means... Wives, if you've chosen to get married to this man, your husband, God is asking you to submit to him, to honor him, to to come under him as he is called to lead you towards Christ, towards Jesus. Now these, again, these scriptures have been abused to to make it feel like a a man is above a woman or below or whatever this tension is. And it's not the case. This scripture is a beautiful picture that if you and I were to live, first, Paul says, mutually submitted to one another. This would be a beautiful picture to the world of God's love. And then he continues addressing the husband. He says, for husbands, this means you love your wives 
just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church and we are members of his bodies. Husbands, you and I, we are called to love our wives like Jesus loved his church. What did Jesus do for his church? He laid down his life. He sacrificed everything for her. You and I are called to love our wives this way. We're called to go first in sacrifice, in submission, in honor, in love. We are called to go first and lead in that as Jesus did for the church. And we have to remember this tension that maybe some of us are wrestling is like, okay, so I got to submit to them. They got to submit to this. The tension is only maybe real when you and I don't realize marriage is about two becoming one. When we're one, there's no warring. Like, I mean, if you're submitting to one another, if you're loving one another, if you're submitting to the other and you're one, it's a benefit to all, to both of you, because you're one moving together. If you are entered into marriage thinking we're two separate individuals who happen to live together and receive some sort of benefits, you know, tax benefits and uh, relational benefits from being uh, living together and married, yeah, then you, I think if you're seeing yourself as two, then yeah, this is probably hard because you're like, well, no, I want to be, you know what I mean? But God says, no, no, marriage is two becoming one. And again, Paul reminds us that in verse 31, he says, again, as scripture says, the one in Genesis, uh, as a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, he says, but it's an illustration of the way that Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. Do you see that beautiful picture? Again, he reminds us, this isn't a a husband versus wife and, and all of this stuff. No, this is, you guys are one, working together, submit to one another, love one another, encourage one another, and, and, and this is a great mystery because it's an illustration. If we have holy marriages, it's an illustration of Jesus and his church coming together. And it can be a beautiful picture to the world around us of how much God loves us, loves his church, loves this world. And so marriage is two becoming one. And so what do we do with this? My encouragement is we need to live as one. We need to live as one. Again, in Genesis 2, 24, Matthew 19, Mark 10, Ephesians 5, it says, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. We need to live as one. And well, how do we do this? Well, again, when you and I were single before we entered into marriage, we had our own plans, purposes, dreams. Some of us wanted to be uh, firefighters or astronauts or doctors or nurses or whatever we wanted to be. And 
Then we fell in love and we came together and got married. And now the two of us have become one. So now my dream, my plans for my life are now our plans for our life. My spouse's plans and dreams for their life is now my plan for our life because we are one. And so when we come to marriage, we have to set up a goal or a vision for our marriage. We're no longer two people with individual plans and purposes. We are one. So what do we want to do? What is God calling us to do with our marriage? Um, Proverbs talks about where there's no vision, the people will perish. I would say, if you don't have a vision for your marriage, a goal, a direction, a trajectory of where God is calling you to go as a, as a husband and wife, as one, it's gonna be hard. And uh, I think of uh, a great exercise that you can do that I encourage everyone that I, I lead through uh, premarital counseling. My wife and I do it, and we probably need to do it again because as you grow and mature and add family members, you know, kids to your family, it changes things. But sit down and go, who is God calling us to be? What is he calling us to to, to, to go as a couple, as a husband and wife. You know, for us, some of those were, one of the things that was very easy for us to write is like, we will be a, a family that goes to church, whether we feel like it or not. And I don't know how many times that has come back to haunt when we didn't feel like it, like, but we go to church. Another was we, we wanna be generous. We wanna be a generous people that doesn't ask God, hey, should we help? It's God, how much should we help? Um, uh, we wanna be a, a family that prays together. We wanna be a family that has fun together. We wanna be a family that so on and so forth. There's all of these different things. And some of them we were doing already. We were our, when, when my wife and I came and got married, we were already going to church. So that was an easy one. Yep, we wanna go to church. We'll go to church. We're uh, as, a, as a married couple, as one, we are gonna go to church. The other one, like being generous, that was aspirational. At the time we, we sat and said, we wanna be a generous uh, couple. I was drowning in debt. There was no way I could do it. But when we set that vision and trajectory, God, we wanna be used by you to be generous, to be able to bless people that we come into contact with. It then set a trajectory for our marriage that we both work towards and we could work towards getting debt-free so that we could be generous. So all I'm saying is we need to have a goal for your marriage. God is gonna call some of you to uh, adopt a, ch a child. Are you on the same page? Are you, is that one of your goals, the vision for your family? Some, God's gonna call some of you to plant a church, to be missionaries, to do this, that, and the other. Are you guys synced up as one? And so sit down, have a conversation, talk about, dream about what God has for your marriage, for your family. And then you can get some actionable steps off of that. So it's, you need a goal for your marriage. Then you have to understand it's a lifelong process. Being, getting married and changing your status from single to married doesn't solve any problems. It actually co probably complicates things. You do not become uh, uh, a single who has everything figured out and then, hey, we're married. Now our marriage is all figured out. Nope, it doesn't. You have to understand that drawing near to God and each other is a lifelong process. It is a marathon that you and your spouse are to be one, uh, cheerleaders for each other, encouragers for each other, not competitors. So you need to have a goal for your marriage. That's how you live as one. You need to realize it's a lifelong process with ups and downs, but you'll have each other there for it all. And then the third is you need to set up rhythms and routines to live as one. Uh, Cause I can say 
you know, at the beginning of this year, January, hey, I wanna be healthy and, and lose some weight. Great, that's a good goal. If I don't set up rhythms and routines to actually help drive me towards that, I'll be saying the same thing next year. So for your marriage, you need to set up spiritual rhythms to live as one. What does that mean? You need to set up a rhythm to pray together, to read God's word together, to worship together, to go to church together. You need to have physical, emotional, and communication rhythms where you go on date nights. Don't stop dating because you're married. Will it get a little bit more complicated sometimes? Yes, but figure it out, have a rhythm. You need to have a rhythm of communication. When is a good time for us to talk about our days, to reconnect? Is it in the morning before we go to work? Is it after, uh, after work at the dinner table? Is it after the kids go to bed? Whatever that rhythm is, you need to set it up. And then you need to have a rhythm for intimacy. That's sex, married couples as living as one, you need to have sex. It's not a weapon to be, uh, to be wielded, to, to get your way or to withhold to whatever. You are one, live as one. So you need goals, a vision for your marriage. You need to understand it's a lifelong process. And then you need to set up rhythms and routines that help you live as one. And so then once you have all of this set up, everything's great, right? We got it all set up, Michael. We got a goal, vision for our marriage. We understand it's a lifelong process and we got some rhythms and routines set up. Amazing, we did it. High five, marriage win. Okay, that's the first step is to, to live as one. The second is to fight for oneness. Just because you've agreed on something today and you had a great conversation, you're all pumped about it, tomorrow comes and then the obstacle comes. Oh, the rhythm doesn't work this week because X, Y, Z, or something came up or there was a random look that didn't mean anything, but it meant something. And now you guys are not one anymore. You gotta fight for oneness. Uh, God is all about relationship and the enemy, the devil is all about uh, destruction and division. Jesus himself says this in John 10, 10, he says, the, the thief comes, the devil comes to only to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So you see that God is all about relationship and fullness of life and, and unity. And the devil just wants to destroy so you need to fight for this oneness because the enemy wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your relationship with God and your relationship with your spouse. So, so now that you are living as one, fight for oneness. And it's not just a, well, I fought for it back uh, then. No, it's a, a daily fight, a moment by moment fight for your oneness. And how do you do that? One of the biggest things is you don't compromise. Well, but Michael, if we compromise, it's a win-win. That's what we're taught. You compromise, you come together, it's a win-win. And, and I would just say, man, Jesus prayed for unity for the church. He said, God, would the church people, would the, the believers, would they be one as you and I are one? And, and Paul even talks about marriage being an illustration of Jesus and the church being one. And so we wanna see unity in our marriage, not compromise, but why? The world says it's great and it's a win-win. So what's wrong with that? Here's what's wrong. You are one. When we even entertain the idea of compromise, what's that do? It, already, it puts us at two different things. It separates the oneness and goes, okay, here's one person and one person. We're gonna compromise and come together at some way. No, you should be together already. So when you need to make a decision, make sure you're unified. It may take longer to come to, a, to an agreement 
but don't compromise. Why? Because uh, when we are unified and we win together, we get to, to celebrate and just like, man, we are so good. That it was so good that God did this through us. Whatever the thing was, we get to celebrate together. And when we lose, we get to lose together. Comfort each other. Why? Because we're one. But when we compromise and then something falls apart, what happens? We run to our, our corners and go, see, your idea was dumb. My idea was better. That doesn't help with unity. That doesn't help with us living as one. That just breeds division. So don't compromise, fight for unity. And there's tons of things that we can keep going on that, but uh, to fight for oneness, don't compromise, fight for unity, and then don't fall for the comparison trap. Those relationships you see on TV and on the movies, those aren't real, those are fake. Things don't get resolved in a half an hour sitcom where everything's fine or in a movie. People don't live happily ever after just like that. Don't look at the, the people's Instagram that you see, these beautiful marriages where everything is perfect. Honestly, it's not like that. You're only seeing a glimpse. Now, if you see someone and know somebody in real life that has a beautiful marriage, don't compare like, well, we're not doing as good as them, so we're failing, we might as well, what up? No, go ask them, hey, how are you fighting for oneness in your marriage? How are you pursuing God together? How are you doing this? Get advice, get counsel but don't compare because when you start to compare, man, you're already losing. You're, you're, you're losing that fight for oneness. And then the last thing is you don't compromise. You don't fall for the comparison trap and then you fight fair. Uh, Paul in Ephesians 4, he says, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry for anger gives a foothold to the devil. So we need to fight fair. And when in marriage, in oneness, that means any type of conflict resolution needs to be a, a thing that works towards reconciliation, restoration, our relationship, getting back to, to living as one. Conflict resolution doesn't end in us going different ways. It doesn't, it can't. And, and like, like that, the D word, divorce, is never brought up in a conversation. We fight fair, why? Because we believe that we are called to live as one. And so we fight fair. We don't use a divorce word as a tactic in, in conflict resolution. We don't. And speaking of divorce, again, I've already said, if you've been divorced, there's grace. Just do relationship moving forward God's way. And if you're walking towards divorce now, my heart breaks for you. And you have to know this, the devil, he loves divorce. Why? Because it's tearing apart your relationship. God hates it. And, and why does he hate it? He hates it because he knows how hard it is on us. I think of trying to unmix two different colors of paint. You can't do it. You're left with a mess on both sides. And that's what happens when we enter into divorce and, and separate. The two, we, we become, we, the one becomes two again and it's not a clean break. It's, there's, it's a mess and God loves us so much. He doesn't want us to see us go through that. Now, if you're in an abusive relationship, I'm not saying stay there. I'm saying get out, get safe, get help, get counseling and pray and maybe work towards uh, reconciliation. Jesus talks about only one way that is permissible to get a divorce. That's adultery. And, and that's because when you and I get married and say, I do, I do, that's not when you're married. In God's eyes, you're married when you consummate the marriage, when you have sex, when you come together. And so when you have an affair and commit adultery and have sex with somebody outside of marriage, you're functionally marrying them. 
And so God goes, oh, this is messy. And that's the only way that I would permit you to, to, to walk away from marriages when it's messy like that. But just because he allows it doesn't mean you have to. There's so many people that I know who have walked through that towards reconciliation and are living beautiful, holy marriages after an affair. And so just because that happens doesn't give you the permission just to run towards it. I would say still fight for oneness. And a couple of other things I just got to hit. I mean, speaking about divorce, not being happy in a marriage is not okay reason to get divorced. Wanting to marry someone else is not okay reason to get a divorce. Uh, growing apart, whatever that means, is not a reason to get divorced. All of those, those reasons or money issues, which is another big thing, those are not reasons to get a divorce. Those are reasons to put your big boy pants and big girl pants on and start working on your relationship. Why? You gotta fight for oneness. It's not static. You gotta fight for it. And I know there's some of us in this who want to have a holy marriage. We want to live as one. And yet our spouse doesn't know Jesus. They don't follow Jesus. So what do we do? Do we walk away? No, you don't. Here's my encouragement to you. If your spouse doesn't know Jesus, I would say, keep working on your relationship with God. Grow in relationship with God. Try to understand your spouse's point of view about God, the church, all of that stuff. Maybe there's uh, some brokenness or hurting there in their past that God has you there to help bring healing and restoration. Realize you can't change your spouse. You can't force them to follow God, but you can live a life that honors God, that loves your spouse, that serves and, and submits to your spouse and honors your spouse in a way that reflects God's love to them that may serve as a model for them to go, hey, actually, I kind of want to hear more about God. And then pray, 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 pray like crazy for your spouse to come to know Jesus. Get others to pray for them because man, it is so good. And I know that there are tons of dynamics in all relationships and marriages. There's, and there's so many different things that I can't even hit on in this time. And I'm probably already over time. This is a deep conversation about marriage. We are here for you. We want to walk with you. And uh, so again, the bottom line, marriage is two people becoming one. We want to be a people who's, that have marriages that the way that God designed and intended them to be, uh, getting married is a lifetime commitment and it will be rewarding. It's going to be costly to, to, to both parties. There will be sacrifice as you learn to love, serve, and grow together as one. A goal it, it, in having a holy marriage is to be able to look at your spouse and to thank God for them, to be able to, to look at your, your wife, your husband and go, hey, even through the ups and downs, I'm thankful to God for you. Because of you, I am closer to God. Because of you, I pray more. Because of you, I love more. Because of you, I'm living the life that God has called me to live. Like that's a picture of, of a holy marriage. I get to spend my life with you, growing closer to you and to God together, encouraging each other. Now, this may sound like a fairy tale uh, that is out of reach or unavailable to you. Uh, and it's only set aside for the select few, the, the super Christians, those people that God love more than me. And I just want to say, that's a lie. This picture of marriage is available to any one of us who is willing to follow God with everything we got, to love him with everything we got and to love our spouse the same.
Is it easy? No. Is it fun? Yeah. Is it worth it? Absolutely. And so we want to we want to come alongside you. We want to we want our people, we want you and your spouse to have a holy marriage that reflects God's glory. It reflects his love, his forgiveness, his care, his mercy that he has for the world. We want it to be a picture of that. And so if your marriage is, is going okay, but you would like some tools to maybe help uh, clarify your goal uh, for your marriage or maybe a rhythm of how to do things to live as one, we wanna help you. You can respond. There's a number on the screen or you can fill out a connect card. We wanna walk with you to help you give, some, give you some more tools. Maybe your marriage is, is in need of a tune-up. We wanna help. We wanna walk alongside you. We wanna help encourage you to live as one, to fight for oneness. Maybe your marriage is straight up broken and you've been thinking a lot about divorce. We wanna walk with you. We wanna encourage you. We wanna pray with you and for you. We wanna help you fight for oneness that God has for you and your, and your spouse. We wanna fight for your marriage with you. And maybe you're not married yet, but you're walking towards it. We wanna help you walk towards marriage and God's design. And I know there's lots of things in, in between all of those. We are here to help. We believe that God's design for marriage is two becoming one. And we know that it's a holy marriage when it's 100% you, 100% your spouse, plus Jesus at the center equals one holy marriage. And so we wanna walk with you. We are for you. God is for you. And so I just wanna pray for you. I wanna pray for me. I wanna pray for our marriages. And then I think we should respond to God in worship. And so let me pray. God, I thank you that you created marriage, God, that you created uh, this opportunity that we get to be in an intimate relationship with another person, God. And you've, you've called it and given us examples and pictures of what that looks like. And so God, I pray that we would, we would come to you, that we would look to you for your plan and purposes for marriage, God not the world's plan, God, that we would live as one as you've called us, God, that we would fight for oneness, God. I pray that you would uh, bless every single marriage, God. Everyone that's tuning in, God, I pray that their marriage, that God, that you would be the center of it. I pray that you would uh, lovingly and gently bring course correction to marriages that are just out of alignment, God. I pray that you would bring restoration of relationship, God. I pray that you would move powerfully in the marriages in our church, God. And in anyone who is hurting, who is, who is feeling, um, ah, I don't know, not good enough in their marriage, God, I pray that you would meet them there. And I pray that they would be able to be honest and reach out for help, God. And I pray that you would meet them, God. And I pray that you would help us to, to come alongside and encourage them to live a life for you, where we love you with everything we got and we love our spouse the same way. God, we love you so much. We thank you so much. You are so good. We thank you that your ways are better than our ways. We thank you for all of those things. In Jesus' name, amen. I wanna encourage you to respond in worship today. Love you and we will see you next week. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of The Real Life Podcast. We hope that this time encouraged you and pointed you closer to Jesus. Before you take off, be sure to like, share, or subscribe. Also, visit our description for ways to stay in touch. We would love to be praying for you. Take care.